Bible and you look at Romans chapter 14 in the New Living Translation or any of the modern versions, if you'd like to give to me. 14 verse 7. Romans For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. May we read together. Let's go over that again. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. Amen. Amen. If you also have Exodus chapter 2. And verse 15 to 17. It says, let's read it together. Now, when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water, and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. Note it. But Moses stood up. This morning, will somebody, will you stand up and help somebody who needs your hand? Hallelujah. We're speaking about the keys of service. The key of service. Or the key of the helper. The key of hospitality. But Moses It means that it's a rarity. Other people looked on. Other people passed by. Other people were unconcerned. But Moses, he made a difference. One man can make the difference. Today is your turn to make the difference to somebody's destiny and to the kingdom destiny by what you stand up to. At great risk. May God grant you the grace. As you hear his word. That you will be the Moses. The original Moses is dead and gone. But today. You may be Samuel. You may be. Alberta. You may be Joanna. But you are the Moses. Would you stand up. To something. And for something. So that somebody will be liberated. So that God's divine purpose and mandate will be established in your generation. Say amen. Amen. You hold the key. And God wants you to use that key. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We pray that Lord, you give me understanding. And for all of us, understanding as well. Grant me utterance. Holy Spirit, imprint your word. In a unique way into our spirits, that our lives may be transformed, that we may conform to Jesus. 
This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So, many of us have topics and prayers we have been praying. And God's word tells us, ask, you will receive. Seek, you will find. Knock, it will open. For he that asks, receives. He that seeks, finds. And he that knocks, the door will be open. But you and I testify that somehow there are many issues that we bring before the Lord and we wonder if God is hearing. I want to suggest to you that indeed God is hearing. Because the word of the Lord is clear in Isaiah. The, eye, the ear of the Lord is not too hard that he cannot hear. But one of the reasons he gives us sin. But another is that sometimes he is answered, but you, have, you don't have the key. Or you are not operating with the key. There are keys that unlock certain spiritual things or certain natural things. There's a key called submission and obedience. You can be very prayerful, fasting 30 days. If you don't have the key of obedience in certain situations, you can be miserable. Even though you may be praying. Even though you may be a very good person. There is a key of submission. Sometimes you can, if you are very independent, you can't see the glory of God. But this morning, we are talking about the key of service. The Bible said, Moses, he was a fugitive. He was being chased by Pharaoh for his own life. He ended up in the desert. He could have died because he didn't have a home. He could have been eaten by animals. He was homeless. Until he met the son, the daughters of Jethro. Otherwise known as Ruel. Now interestingly, he didn't know that somehow their ancestry was even connected. Because when you read the book of Genesis, we will not read it. In chapter 25, you look at verse 1 to 2, up to 3, you see that one of the sons of Abraham was called Midian. The Midianites were actually children of Abraham after Keturah. After Sarah died and Abraham married, he got children. And one of the children was called Midian. Now, which means that sometimes you don't know the kind of connection in the natural that you might even be facilitating. And that's why we need to be careful when we are dealing with people. The fact that you don't know yet your connection with somebody doesn't mean that you should belittle the opportunity to be of service or to be a helper to that person. Say amen. The Bible said, the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood. That means he, 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 took, a, he, he, he took the unusual position. Many of us, we say, oh, this is none of our business. We are so preoccupied with our wives, our husbands, our children, our business. It's all about me. That's why we read from Romans. 
we live not for ourselves. As on, we live, we pour out, like David, uh, Paul said, my life is poured out. Poured out. God is looking for people who understand what it means to be poured out. So that something of God will be realized. When Moses was pouring out his life, he didn't know that that was the key for him being the greatest prophet of Israel. In fact, he didn't know that after Jesus' deliverance, he was at the verge of making history or establishing a legacy which will pass down to generations. Because apart from Calvary, the second biggest deliverance or salvation mankind has experienced is the deliverance that came through Moses. Moses would have missed the spiritual opportunity if he had not helped those young women. When he was helping them to fight all those shepherds, he didn't know what he was doing. He thought he was just helping. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. When he finished, what happened? They went home. And their father said, Who, How come you have come home so early? And they said, We met an Egyptian. And he helped us. When he helped us, the father said, Bring him home. The father also manifested hospitality. Jethro, the priest of the Medians. And you see, and Jethro also, in showing hospitality, didn't know that he was entering the annals of history. He had come into contact with divinity and God's destiny for his life. Because if he had refused Moses into his life, the blessing that his children and grandchildren through Moses would have come. And of course, his counsel that he gave to Moses later on in the book of Exodus, in the book of Numbers, where he met Moses struggling, leading the people of Israel. And then he told Moses, delegate, raise up elders and delegate them. Today, 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 you can't go to a business school and Jethro's name is not mentioned. Because the principle of delegation, from a biblical perspective, he is the father of the principle of delegation. It's the way he taught Moses how to delegate in the land of Israel is being emulated everywhere. And it came because of the key of service, hospitality. He opened his house, he opened his door to a stranger who could, somebody, many of us are saying, I have daughters. What if he rapes the daughters? What if he comes to attack us? These Egyptians, they have magic. What if he comes to bamboozle us with some, some, some things? He looks strange. It's like today, you and I meeting a Fulali man somewhere, and the Lord says, Welcome this man. We will all be very suspicious. Because you see, when you see he's coming, he's not alone, he's having his sword there. He has a pistol there. He doesn't look like somebody that is so calmly. And you, you, we are often afraid of such people. But I believe God is bringing us something that we need to pay attention to. There is a key in, that is in your hands. And the key is called the key of service. It's called the key of the hospitality. It's called the key of the helper. You look back and we look at our lives. 
This whole year, you look at, who have I held? See, look at Abraham, uh, uh, Abraham down to Jacob. God had promised Jacob a lot of things, uh, Abraham a lot of things through his generations. Realize that the things didn't just happen. They didn't just happen. When his son wanted to get married, and he wanted a woman, remember the story of how Eliza went to the, house, the place where Rebecca was. How did they discover Rebecca? It was through service. As she rendered water, get rendered service through giving water and provision for not just Eliza, for her camels and all that. And then he saw that this must be the woman. There is some opportunity, there is some door just opening around you. But your fear, your hardness of heart, your, your insecurity, your inability to identify the door, the key, to open the door because of tradition, because of anxiety, because of the way perceptions run route in our minds. We are not accessing the divine place. Today, may God show you how to access it. You are holding a certain key, but you are not using the key. I came to tell you this morning that the key will unlock certain spiritual destiny which lies in your hands. And your time wasting and your, 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 your confusing of thought is not helping you to move to the next phase of your encounter with the Lord. Say Amen. In the time of Jacob, just like Moses was a refugee or fugitive. Jacob was almost also a refugee. He was being chased by the brother. And the father said, go to your uncle. He didn't know that uncle. When he got there, in the story you find in Genesis 29, verse 1 to 14. When he got to the place, again, the, the cousins were women Tendering flock. And the Bible said, He helped them also. When Jacob helped them, they went to their father, introduced him. Through that, Jacob had a family in Laban. He was received and he was blessed. He established the 12 tribes came out of he identifying the key of the helper. The key of service. Today, many of us are missing our turns. Whether it's marriage, business opportunity, even our spiritual opportunity to serve the Lord, to find our place in ministry, because people don't like to serve. Everybody wants to lord it. Everybody wants to preserve it. We are too content with what we have. I want to suggest to you, brethren, four, maybe three 
important benefits when you have this key. I've already emphasized one. In Hebrews 13, verse 1 and 2, it says, let brotherly love continue. It means it is not a one-off thing. It, can, it shouldn't be a one-off thing. If you did it last year, this year has come. But more important, verse 2, concerning what I'm saying, it says, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. There is a supernatural encounter awaiting you. I said, there is a supernatural encounter awaiting you. I didn't hear you. I said, there is a supernatural encounter awaiting you. And that supernatural encounter is not going to be revealed necessarily by your prayers, nor your fastings, nor the scriptures you know, the quotations. He said, be not forgetful to entertain. When you entertain strangers, that supernatural encounter, angelic visitation, will come to you. The revelation you are waiting for, God is waiting for you to show a certain kindness in your heart. And not in your heart, but manifest what is in your heart to a certain spirit of service rendered not for gain, but knowing that we live not unto ourselves, but unto the Lord and unto humanity. Say Amen. Many of us are born again, no mistake. Speaking tongues, no mistake. But our lives are restricted because we can't see life beyond our normal environment. We can't see us pouring our lives out, even beyond our church, beyond our circle. Anybody and anything that is not in your normal comfort zone is thrown off a shut door. She doesn't speak my language. I don't, she's not my kind. He's not my kind. And because we are, we, we are restricted in those limitations, the keys are in your hands, but they are locked. You are not experiencing supernatural things. If you are going to see the supernatural, it's going to call for, understand, for, for, for willingness to offer yourself as a hospitable, helpful, serviceable person, child of God. It's good to talk about goodness. It's good to talk about church. It's good to talk about all the things, but see, God is calling us to a point. That's why John said, if we say we love God, who we cannot see, how can we love our neighbor. Sorry, if we say we, we don't love our neighbor that we see, how can we say we love God who we cannot see? If we can be hospitable to the person or people that we see with our eyes, how can we say that, oh God, I love you. 
And he says, no, no, that is fake. It's not real. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, when we don't show, do, when we are unhospitable or not hospitable, what we are doing is that we are depriving ourselves of divine encounters. Say amen. And when you are not hospitable, you are also not meeting your own need. Or when you are not serviceable, when you are not helpful, Jesus said in, John, in, in Luke 16 verse 10, If you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in much. And if you are faithful in that which is another man's own, God will give you your own. Your focus is too much on your own. That's why you don't have your own. Serve another. Offer yourself and be nothing to another. Then God will give you your own. Say amen. Offer your resources, your money. Offer your time to another. Then God will give you more time. Hallelujah. Offer your dignity, your respect to another. And God will give you another, more, 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 more dignity and respect. Because he says, promotion does not come from the east nor from the west. It comes from the Lord. Psalm 75 or 6. So, the more you strive for recognition, the more you are denied. Because God promotes when you humble yourself. That's what the Bible said. Say, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Amen. Are you hearing me, brethren? We are teaching ourselves. This is very, very basic, but I'm telling you, it's a kingdom key. It will unlock a lot of things for you. It has unlocked a lot of things for me, personally, and I'm still looking forward to more. Amen. Meeting needs. Last year, I traveled to the States by the grace of God. And a certain family that I just kind of chanced upon helping, doing their dirty work for them back here in Ghana. One of them just called me. The guy heard of me. I was about seven or eight hours away from where he was. He drove all the way to where I was. I was in a meeting for three or four days. Every day I had a chauffeur. He was driving me everywhere. And when he came, he didn't come empty-handed. And I didn't ask for it. Because when you pour your life into people, the God has a way. You don't need to covenant with them to do anything. When my daughter was about to get married, this family asked my wife. She was in the room with me. And they just got a message. They just got to know that my daughter was getting married. The boy said, let me stop. I'm driving. Let me stop. I want to test my momo. Whether when I do well remit or whatever it is, it can come on the momo. Ask my wife how much money they put in. It's not one CD. Thousands. And I didn't ask for it. I can testify what it means when you help. God knows your needs. He meets your need. The Bible said in, in Proverbs, 
The one that holds. I think 11.24 or so. When you hold, you become poor. And if you give, you become richer. Yeah. There is that scattered and yet increases. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but tended to poverty. So, but when you have a poverty mentality, you think, oh, the more I hold, the more I get. It's not so with God. The more you give yourself to people and to God and to the work of the ministry and, and serve and become selfless, God will give you more. Say amen. The more hospitable you become, the more God opens doors. You have facilities. That's why Hilton, Charity, they, they are expanding their brands. When you become less hospitable, you will be squeezed into a bedroom, a room or a bed. But if you share, God will give you more. Say amen. So God meets your needs. Rebecca's need was met. She wanted to marry. Jacob's need was met. Moses' need of wanting to deliver Israel was met. Apart from the supernatural encounter. Besides, when you go to the book of Acts in chapter 4, from 32 to 37, you see Barnabas. Through him, the needs of the church was met. Spiritual needs, physical needs, everything was covered. Because people learned how to serve. Amen. But also, God will give you a legacy which men cannot give you. A distinguished legacy. When you read the book of Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. It says, And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for who? Jonathan's sake. Jonathan showed kindness to David. And because of Jonathan, God touched the heart of David when he became king. Many of us are very anxious about what will happen to our wives, our husband, our children, and our relatives when we die. If you Show kindness. Don't worry. If you do what God wants you to do, and you pour your life, Jesus poured his life. His legacy is there. Go to America. Go to Europe. People who, who, who pour their lives into the church, into the kingdom. John Wesley, Charles Wesley. Look, today, the legacy of Wesley is there. Even in my village. There's a Wesley Cathedral. In my village. It's a great legacy. Of all poor, 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 poor in my village. Wesley's name, everybody knows Wesley. I don't know about yours. So you want a legacy. You want to be remembered. You want to be seen as somebody who has done great things. It's not by building something strange, big, or putting a name. This is the greatest man who ever lived. This Dr. Fadwa Yuen, who is in the news for giving the fake awards. What's the history of all this? Because somebody like Kofi Annan built a legacy. 
He poured his life out there for the world. The United Nations, all of them. And even human beings remember him. So the man wants to identify Kofi Annan so that his family... Need. So when you travel and you say you're a Ghanaian, especially if you are called Annan or any name close to Annan, you say, are you a cousin or this? You have to find... You, 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 are, you have a legacy. And David remembered Jonathan's legacy. Can I show him some kindness? Beloved, we have some way to go. Many times when we say these things, the enemy also preaches to us. One of his sermons he preaches is that you don't have enough. You don't have enough time. You don't have enough money. You don't have anything. But you see, one of the things you must do is to preach counter sermons to the enemy. Say amen. In Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10 and 11. It says, He that loveth silver shall never be satisfied with silver. Nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. Verse 11. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them, and what good is there to the owners thereof? Saving the beholding of them with their eyes. See, as for money, the economy says, man has insatiable needs. That's one of the first things we learned when we were studying economics. You can never satisfy human beings, whether it's about time, anything is about food, Nothing. We will have and have and have and still want. Look, if God were to change our hours from 24 hours to 48, people will still not have time. If we change this to 100 hours a day, people will still not have time. It's about prioritizing. It's about where your treasure is. There you have to be. Period. If the hours reduce to 12, people will complain. People will still do things. When the money comes, you will find use for it. So it's not about, I don't have enough. It's not about, you don't have enough time. It's about the priority. And the wisdom to manage proportionately. Hallelujah. So that's the, the message. The enemy will say, you don't have time. You don't have money. You don't have enough for your wife, or for your husband, for your children. Why are you worrying yourself? When he preaches, you also tell him that, look, this money I'm seeing, I can see more and more and more still earns from it. When wealth is increased, say increases are those who enjoy it. The more you, today you are sitting on maybe a foam chair, next time you say you want a gold chair. You are driving a Toyota, next time you say you want a, another car hire, next time Rolls Royce, next time this, you keep changing and changing until you die. So we, are, we, are, we can't ever be satisfied. So our eyes will see beautiful things. When we were growing up, we wanted to see people, we talked about jacuzzi, all, you see the jacuzzi, now you want a five, uh, 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 what do you call it, pipe jacuzzi, instead of a two pipe. You want the one that can change colors. You want the, so every day, new ones. When we were growing up, the citron of the late Shonu, Olabam. 
when we were reading to he comes and every child will get out there. And the citron had this thing where they, it will go down like this. Ooh. And all the children were looking at that car. Chipson whose cars come. And everybody admired that car. And I'm just asking myself, by now, where is that car? It's somewhere in Kokompe. It has been dismembered. This is 40 something years ago. Or 50 years ago, 1970, 71. It has been dismembered. You even see the, the tie or the rim. At that time, it was a very big thing. That's how everything we have. I look at some of the shoes we used to go and buy from two guys. And we're so proud. Shoes from two guys. And Rose Peters. Bonsu Brothers. And you thought you had dressed. Shoes. Or shirt. Or jeans. Or something. And you thought it will never ever go out of your, your, of your wardrobe. But today, I don't even know where those, they take the rags. Then the father said, dust will return to dust. Everything is gone. What is it that you have which was not given to you? What is it that you have which will not use, with the using, pass away? Why are we so pompous? Why are we so jealous of our little things we have? We are only custodians. We are mere custodians. We are mere custodians. Beloved, don't hear that sermon from the enemy when he says, you are not capable. You don't have enough. Sometimes we fear to be betrayed. John 5. There's a story there, 1 to 15. Jesus healed a man. I think he was a leper or something. And when after healing him, the, the Jews were looking for Jesus. And that man pointed to Jesus. He betrayed Jesus before Judas Iscariot. This is the man who healed me. I thought that knowing that the people wanted to kill Jesus or destroy Jesus, he would be quiet and walk away home. He didn't do that. He betrayed Jesus. But Jesus didn't stop healing people. Jesus didn't stop. You are going to help people. They will betray you. They will badmouth you. Don't misconstrue your motives. And it's not going to stop. Nothing is going to stop me or stop, should stop you from doing what God requires of you. Hallelujah. Pour your life into people. And they don't need to be people you think you know because you don't know that that person is a Midianite. And the Midianite is a child, is your cousin, is your brother. You don't even know. But because he came through a different tribe or a different location or a different name identity, you didn't know that you knew him. But actually you are one blood. You are both Abraham's descendants. The Midianite and the Jew are not different. The difference is the promise of Abraham that came through Isaac. But in terms of bloodline, they are the same. Hallelujah. Sometimes we fear to be attacked. But look at Rahab the harlot. In the book of Joshua chapter 2. Rahab took a risk. The Bible said, the king came after her, after them. But the men were hidden in the top. 
And today, her name is in the memorials of the descendants, of the, of the, of the, of the ancestors of Jesus. It didn't come by default. It came in because she had the key to health. The key, and she used the key at the right time. She had the key of service. She had the key of hospitality. She availed herself to some strangers. And God saw her heart. Today we are born again. We speak in tongues. We do all, we have all the titles. But sometimes, when it comes to these little things, Jesus said, these weightier matters, we are far wanting. May God help us. Many times we are very concerned about the gratitude. People are not grateful. People are mean. People are, they, Jesus healed ten lepers. Only one came back. He didn't stop him. He healed ten lepers. Only one. It means that when you help people, don't expect that many. If you get two of your children that you help, say thank you. Praise God. Jesus, he had only one, which is 10%. It means it's not normal for people to be grateful. So those of us who are moaning and crying over ungrateful people, you got it wrong. You got it wrong. Because Jesus had 10 lepers. Say, did I not heal 10 in Luke 17? And only one came back. And today people are easily offended. When other people don't show up, when they don't call, when they don't come back, when they even disrespect you, when they don't show that what you've done for them, when they were on the brink and they were about to break, it becomes difficult to do it again. But the Holy Spirit, the word of the Lord, is saying, no. Jesus did not give up. He did not stop showing mercy. He did not stop showing, holding the key. He went out to the ultimate to even die for humankind. He died. He paid the ultimate price for the same wicked people who have done so much evil. Today, as we consider how to emulate Jesus, Paul did it. In Philippians 2.17, when he says, I'm poured out. Philippians chapter 2, verse 17. Yea, if and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and the service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. May you rejoice when even your life is poured out in a way that, and it's not a, what is written there in, in a simpler English version, maybe like NIV, put it there, NIV. It says, if I am being poured out, it is a very painful experience to go through for your life to be poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you, all of you. How can a man be happy that his privacy, his rights, and his privileges have been taken just so that other people can be strong in the Lord? It is not normal. But I pray for grace. And we see, we aim to be like Jesus. And Jesus said, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. May God grant us the grace that Lord, when we see wherever we are, 
We know we have the key. The keys of service. To turn the key to open, to unlock things that God has been prepared for us. I pray that we'll use the keys appropriately. As we bow our heads in prayer. A divine encounter is beckoning at you. A need is being met by you. A need in the body. A legacy is being prepared for you. Talk to God and say, Lord, let me not miss my visitation. Moses did not miss his visitation. Jacob did not miss his visitation. You and I cannot miss our visitation. Because we have the key. Lord, grant me that heart. Sometimes the enemy reminds you of the way people have been ungrateful. The way people have been mean. The way people have even spoken evil. Well, you did good. But I challenge you. Don't give up. Be strong in the Lord. Pour out your life unto the Lord and unto the, 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 the people. Because he who calls you, he is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. Forgive somebody in your heart for being ungrateful. Let mercy run like a river for somebody who is unfaithful but is proud. They are not repenting. They are still making you the bad one. They are bad mouthing you. Say, Lord, have mercy on them. Help me to let go. Help me to forgive them. Help me to operate. Not out of bitterness, but out of love. Paul said, I rejoice in all of this. Serving Jesus is not always easy. But it's it pays. It's fruitful. So, Lord God, help us, your children. Help me. Help my brethren. Now, Lord, may we manage this key of service in a way that will lead many to you, that it will profit the kingdom. Ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.